right, let's get into some Word. What do you yeah. say? If you have a Bible or a Bible app and you want to look along with us at these Scriptures, I'd invite you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 2. 1 Samuel is right before 2 Samuel. Can't have a one without a two. And I started a new series recently, a few weeks back, called Honor Do. And uh, if you missed any of those, of course, they're available to you on the website for free, and you can watch or listen and get caught up. This is a very important uh, message and revelation. Uh, I want to read from our text, 1 Samuel 2 and verse 30. It reads, uh, Therefore the Lord God of Israel says, I, I said indeed that your house, and that's speaking to Eli the high priest, and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now, the Lord says, far be it from me, for those who honor me I will honor, but those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. reason the Lord says here, uh, uh, far be it from me, he's telling him, you have not honored me. You have not taken seriously the thing that I've given you to do. Therefore, what I wanted to do in your life is not going to happen. All right. Could that be true with any of us? Yeah, yeah. We, have, we need a proper response to the Lord, to His Word, to His calling. Whatever He puts before us, our response determines what happens next. Okay? And so, uh, again, notice the language. You honor me, I'll honor you. If you despise me, so you'll be lightly esteemed. So, notice the language of despising. That seems harsh. Lightly esteemed seems like eh, not, not too big a deal. But he's putting those together. So sometimes what we determine or we think of, now uh, we wouldn't say, I despise the Lord. I despise his work. But maybe it's not as important as it should be. Everybody with me? Did I say that correctly? We wouldn't say, I despise this. But we would say, well, maybe he's not as important to me as he should be. Yeah. Our interpretation is making light of making light. Yeah. Whereas the Lord is saying, when someone despise, or when someone uh, makes light of me, they are despising me. So I want, to, I want to measure my own attitudes, my own priorities, the weight that I give the things of God using his words. Because then I'll start measuring myself by this and saying, if I am, you know, flippant in my attitude or behavior towards the things of God, he is interpreting that as despising his things. Does that make sense? Think of it this way. Has anybody ever uh, said or done something to you, they considered it to be off the cuff, no big deal, a little punch in the shoulder, but you considered it to be a gut punch. They thought no big deal, but the way you received it was totally different than what that person was thinking. See, I want to relate to you and keep you in mind. I think that's love. That's honor. I want to relate to the Lord based on what he says is honorable or dishonorable, not what I've learned because much of what we learned has come from a crooked and perverse generation, a culture of dishonor. Hallelujah. All right. 
Uh, New Century Version reads, but I will dishonor those who ignore me. Uh, God's Word translation says those who despise me uh, will be considered insignificant. So these are all the responses I don't want from God. So he's telling me how to get a proper uh, response from him and how to get honored by the Lord. And this matter of honor is something that we can all learn a few things about. Uh, I'll remind you again of Romans 13, 7, which reads, Render therefore to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. So it uses the language of honor as something that is owed, something that's due. In other words, we need to learn that this is not really optional in God's kingdom. All right? Honor is who He is, and this is how we are to respond. Now, last week, I was, at the latter part of the teaching, was, was referencing David, famous David, King David of Israel. And, and I, I told you that he was a man of honor, even though he had a hiccup for sure, uh, more than one hiccup, but one big thing that's, that stood out that was dishonorable. He responded to it correctly with his repentance and so forth, and he was called a man after God's own heart. One of the things I drew your attention to was the fact that David uh, had a high premium placed on the house of the Lord. He frequently wrote about it in the book of Psalms. The house of the Lord was so very important to him. And this is one of the ways that we can see honor having an outworking. It takes whatever God is doing, his activities, what he says is important, and it makes that important personally. So just like the house of the Lord was important to David, that's always been true with God. New Testament, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, right? And so the Lord is building his church. If that's his main focus, and yet we, you know, make light of it in any way, how are we being honorable? How does that honor God? He's pouring all his resources, all his focus into building his church. And yet many of his people can take it or leave it. Many of his people get around to church when they can. Hallelujah, hallelujah. See, if the Lord is into something and he is building it, what do you think Satan's primary activity is? Just to test which spirit we're yielding to. Well, the enemy wants to create space between what God is doing in the church and your life. To get there to be... Uh, Mental space, meaning there's negative thoughts there, or physical, no physical connection uh, in, in your beliefs. The enemy is working. By the way, just take this personally. <laughs> working night and, night and day against you. He is working to get you away from the main thing that God is doing. That's a dishonorable life, and then you don't get the honor from God that, that you want and he wants to give you. All right. So he's working in that. If we're aware of that, we can catch it up here. We can catch it in our thought life before it ever translates into action. But that's the, how, how, the, how the enemy works. And so I understand the, the logic here. Someone might say, well, you're saying this about the church because you're a pastor. 
And I have lots of responses to that. One of them is this, because I heard that. <laughs> One of them is this, is, is if the pastor doesn't believe that, who's going to? Believe that the church is like really, really important. And, uh, and, and so secondly, here's another one. If the pastor doesn't preach this, who's going to? Who's going to tell you? See, I really believe sincerely that I am representing God's priorities, His kingdom. I don't mean in every, every word that proceeds out of my mouth because I'm not perfect in that way. But this message, it, it represents the thoughts of heaven. It represents the, the priorities of, of God. And so we must talk about these things. It's kind of like, again, here's the logic. Uh, when you teach, when a pastor teaches on tithes and offerings, and yet a portion of those tithes and offerings go to his salary. You can see how someone would think, oh, there's a, there's a motive problem here. It's for self-gain. Okay? But, but, but hold on. I mean, again, that's true. N- not the motive problem, but that, that that happens. And it's biblical. And it's right. And who's supposed to teach it? I mean, it, it, would it be right for the Lord to put all these things in the Scripture? And then say, and don't. You talk about it, pastors, because people will question your motive. <laughs> no, we just have to do what's right and, and say what the Word says. And everybody, you make your judgments based on what the Word says Amen. and see if these things are so. Uh, but I'm thinking about the house of the Lord. And, and I asked the question in, inwardly, would the Lord have chosen David to do his work if he was an occasional church attender? I don't think so. I mean, you, 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 can, you judge for yourself, but it was his value of what God valued that made him so usable, that made him so uh, available to the Lord in, in, in his work. You know, uh, before I was a pastor, I never skipped church. I didn't. And so my... My commitment and conviction regarding the house of the Lord is not born out of, I'm a pastor and I want the house full. I do that. I do. That is true. But (laughs) But it's not born out of that. It's born out of, I believe the Lord values this. I I didn't ever skip church. And uh, and nowadays, you know, uh, well, I was speaking with our pastoral staff recently, at least some of them, I don't remember who was all in this meeting. Uh, but I posed the question. I said, tell me, you guys, without knowing the answer, I said, before you were a pastor, tell me about your attitude and your behavior, not just attitude, but towards church. Not just the church, the global church, I love the big C, you know, you know, but I mean, practically the local church. And every one of them in the room said, oh no, I'd never missed. I would never miss, a, I, would never, I would never skip. You know, people take vacations and things, you understand, but they would never skip. And they all said that, everyone who was in there said, no, I never did. I thought, that's interesting, how the Lord is using us, and yet we have this attitude, whether we got it from someone else, it doesn't matter, but we have this attitude towards His things, and He's able to use us. Because I've heard others, and they say, yep, God has called me to the ministry. He's called me to full-time ministry, and yet that they frequently, for hardly any good reason, will be able to skip when things are going on in their own life and they'll just do other stuff. And I think, 
you're not called like I was called. I mean, something in you, I don't know. I mean, you're sure you're, yes, you're saved and everything. I mean, I'm not in charge of that. But, uh, but you think different. And I wonder if someone can be used of God if we limit his use, our usefulness in his hands by our attitudes towards what he is doing. Amen. Amen. Now, I want to read more about David. And uh, if you're in uh, the third, second chapter of 1 Samuel, go over to the 24th chapter. 1 Samuel 24. And if you are familiar at all with David's life, uh, I'll remind you briefly, David was later the second king in Israel. Saul was the first king. Saul was called of God, anointed by God, and he became rebellious and hard-hearted and proud, and he started doing his own thing. And, uh, you know, those, those famous statements, obedience is better than sacrifice, that came from Saul doing his own thing. And uh, 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 David then was his replacement. Samuel, as the prophet of God, called him out, anointed him, poured oil on him, and said, you are going to be the next king of Israel. And that happened years, several, many years, possibly 13 years before he ever became king. Why? Well, there's someone who's presently king. And uh, interesting, God's timeline sometimes, ours is always this. And the Lord sees, you know, with him a day is as a thousand years, a thousand years as a day. Nevertheless, in that interim, Saul was insecure, he was afraid, and, uh, and he was not uh, a fan of David. And David, remember David killed the giant, <laughs> killed, killed Goliath, and, uh, and people started chanting David's name, and they made a bigger deal of him than they did Saul, and Saul took that personally. He was intimidated by that. He started going after David to kill him, okay? He'd take his, his troops out, and they'd go hunting David, going on a David hunt. And it literally, but literally trying to kill him. And then one day, David and his group, they were in these caves. And apparently, they were in the innermost part. They went way back, and so they weren't seen. Saul comes in there, because they're out hunting David. Saul comes in there to take care of business in some way. And, uh, and he didn't know David and his men were back in the cave. So while Saul is in there... Uh, Maybe he takes off his robe or something, but David is able to go up to the robe and cut off the corner as, and basically revealing that he could have killed Saul in an instant. All right. And this is what it says here, 1 Samuel 24, 4. Uh, the men of David said to him, this is the day which the Lord said to you, behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand that you may do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had cut, he had cut Saul's robe. And he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So you have to understand their day. Many times this transition from one king to another could take place by one person killing another. 
Okay, so don't think of it. Don't think of peaceful transfer of power. <laughs> Wasn't always the case. Uh, but that would have been a sure route for David, God's choice as the next king, to immediately ascend to the throne and stop living his life on the run, being pursued by his enemies, which is the current king. That could have happened. It could have been easily said, you know, self-defense. He was trying to kill me. And the prophet said, I'm the next king. He could have killed Saul and he would have been king that day. All right? But what's interesting is, is what happened to David. One, he didn't do it, but even cutting off his robe, his heart got him, troubled him. That means his conscience got him. He's like, ah, how could that be with the way that Saul treated him? Why does he even feel that? This reveals something about a person of honor. He had obviously not harbored unforgiveness and bitterness towards Saul. He had let that go. This guy's hunting him. This is not just a negative post online. He's literally, literally trying to kill him, and yet David is not taking it inward to let him to, to become bitter. And it allows him to feel this. By the way, you guys, this is something we want. A man of honor does something borderline or dishonorably, and it, mm, it bugs him. But the question for us is, could we act in a dishonorable way and it not bother us? Could we come against, speak against, do harm to someone in, a, in authority and sleep well that night? If that's the case, it's time to go back to, to the Lord and get our conscience fixed and, and become tender before him again and, and try, try to work on this honor thing in our lives. Because David, did, he didn't even kill him. But just getting that close, it bothered him. And uh, again, the hearts of dishonorable people, they don't feel this. They'll just do, they'll harm, they'll speak against, they'll take action, and they'll smile the whole time like God's backing them. Everybody with me today? Listen to this from the New Living Translation, uh, verse 6. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord the King. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one, for the Lord himself has chosen him. I, I want you to see David's priority system. He said, this guy here, Saul, this guy who's play, acting the fool, who's doing wrong things, I can't mess with him because the Lord chose him. I can't, I can't come against him because the Lord chose him. Now, David held Saul in high regard, not because of his behavior, not because he was acting all kingly and all righteous, but because he was the Lord's choice for king. How many understand that showing honor to whom it is due is not contingent upon the person's behavior? And that might, I know that makes it hard or challenging for us. That's still the principle. If anyone has dealt with a hard situation, I doubt it was as extreme as this. Okay? And the thing is, whenever it comes to um, 
honoring a person because of their behavior, their behavior is a judgment call most of the time. Certainly there's some actions we could say 100% wrong, but many things are uh, subjective. You think it's right, you think it's wrong. This person thought it was a good choice, this person thought it was a bad choice. And we put it, we, when we put it in that category, how many know there are no limits to creating a dishonorable culture? Because everyone's just making their own judgment, say, well, this is what I think, and this is what I think, and this is... And opinions, how many know, dime a dozen? Yeah. yeah. I was uh, thinking about uh, that thing that happened a couple years ago when that, uh, that virus got released, you know? Uh, and uh, you, know how, you know what happened in the church world and, uh, and with churches shutting down and different states and different things happening all over the place. Uh, I, was, I was a little bit discouraged in this regard. Not, real, not here, because I, ha- I had very little you know, flack, if you will, because we did things that were right. <laughs> but lots of other pastors around the planet also believed they were doing the right thing. I, I was a little bit concerned about how people were too free to speak against them. Too free to just call them out and say, hey, you did this wrong, you did this wrong. And maybe they did. That's the, that's the life of being a leader of any kind, right? Maybe some mistakes were made. And, uh, but I was a little discouraged when I, when I saw people just speaking out too much. Again, not here. Here I heard so little of it because you guys are mostly honorable, I think. <laughs> or most of you. The dishonorable ones, they left. <laughs> But I mean, I thought, I don't know if that's the right thing to do in this situation. People have their opinions. Because I look at David, and I see this was an extreme situation to call Saul out as being wrong. Easy call. (laughs) Easy call to say, wrong choice, Saul. You're trying to kill me. I think that's wrong. (laughs) And, uh, but he, his, his, his heart of honor directed his activities. David wrote in the Psalms later saying, Psalm 105, 15, do not touch my anointed ones and do my prophets no harm. So, so notice the touch was a harmful touch. When he said, don't touch them, the touch could be physical. That's what Saul was trying to do. It could be verbal. It could be, watch, this touching could be making light of God's choice. Whenever we put it in the category as this is just of human origin, this is just no big deal, then we are making light of God. Here's the challenge, is taking our promotion and and taking that into our own hands. David's promotion to being king. You might have a position in your workplace that's you would like a promotion a higher place taking that into your own hands in what way by somehow doing something dishonoring speaking against uh, god forbid physically doing something against someone who's in the position that you want that you may even believe god told you that you're supposed to have there's a real there's a real opportunity for us to be honorable with these matters rather than 
you know, harming someone else for our seeming own benefit. Remember the Psalm 75 said that promotion does not come from the east or the west or the south, but promotion comes from God. He sets up one and puts down another. It's a, it, takes, it takes a maturity and an honor in someone's life to not seek someone else's downfall or negative removing, or let's say it by your hand. David, Saul did need to go. He needed to go by God removing him, not by David removing him. Okay? Uh, I'm not, uh, I do not seek the demise of, of businesses around us so I can acquire their properties. Which I need. <laughs> For a good cause. I don't seek anyone's demise. I don't want anyone to suffer. No. I, I, I would never entertain and the, the thought of, I want some other churches around us to go down so we can go up. Yeah. No, that's not, that's not a kingdom win in my mind. That's a, a kingdom neutral, if, if anything. No, I never need, I don't need someone else. I, I don't, especially I don't need, need, but I don't want to ever be involved for a moment, even if it's through a rumor or saying something, or planting a seed of doubt. I don't want to take someone down in the slightest way in order for my apparent promotion or going up. This, watch, you guys, this is, a heart, this is the heart of honor. This is how David was. And his life was really suffering as a result of <laughs> temporarily, but not fast-tracking his promotion. He literally was on the run. Now, you read the whole story here. You read the rest of this one. You see how Saul said, oh, my son David, and oh, you spared my life when you could have taken it. I'm, you know, and he stopped pursuing him. And then a couple chapters later, he's, he's pursuing him again. He, he's, he's going after him again. I wonder, is there anyone you might consider a Saul in your life? Someone in position that has done you harm or seeks to do you harm in some way, they're making your life more difficult. But you have this challenge of how am I going to show them honor? Because here's the thing, you, by doing it, you're honoring God and you've got His promise. The Lord is the one who promised to honor you back. I tell you, when the Lord honors you, no one else can do and act in such a way that will remove that. When the honor of heaven is on you, anytime a person comes against you or takes something from you, it's only a blip on the screen. It's temporary. It's kind of like the blessing of God. The blessing of God is not just a thing that you have, but the blessing of God is a spiritual in, in endowment from God that makes whatever you do work. It causes whatever you put your hand to to prosper. So we need to seek this honor that is from God. And if someone else needs to be removed, we're going to leave that in the hands of the Lord. Because He promotes, He puts one up, takes another one down. Like I mentioned uh, a couple chapters later, here we go again. Saul's after David. And this, in this one situation, you read about it, the, they all fell asleep. They were asleep. Saul's spear, spear was in the ground there by his jug of, uh, uh, jug of water and his spear were there. And they're all sleeping. It almost seems like it's like too good of sleep. 
because they're able to just walk right in there and all the guys are sleeping. It's, it's the same word, actually, from Genesis when God put Adam asleep to do surgery, remember? Get the rib out. And, uh, but they're all sleeping and, uh, and they go in there again. This is 1 Samuel 26, 11. It, uh, he, he says, David said here, you can read the whole story, but the Lord forbid that I should stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed, but please... Take now the spear and the jug of water that are by his head and let's go. So he was just showing Saul, I was there right by your head with a spear. And David's men there, they said, let me just take him. You read about it. His guy, the guys around him were saying, David, you are just. You are justified. Let me just take one swing. It won't even take two. They were telling him that. C can you imagine... Uh, David having to deal with this, the justification that comes with dishonor. The Lord anointed me. Saul has totally rebelled against God. It would be better for the nation of Israel if I were king rather than him. All those things are true. I missed it last time. I mean, I spared his life and maybe I shouldn't have. And now the Lord's given me another chance. Let's take it. How many chances do we need to be dishonorable? <laughs> but again, David had the right response to what was happening here. He would not allow Saul to be killed, and he showed honor. What we need to see is the, the bigger picture, the final outcome. Do you know what eventually happened? Is Saul was removed. Saul was taken out but it wasn't by David's hand. And so David could sleep at night saying, I didn't force the issue. I didn't, I didn't take things into my own hands to make this happen. I trusted the Lord to promote me, to exalt me, to give me position. And it may not have happened as quickly as he would have liked it to happen, but then David stayed on the throne. I forget how many years, but many years he was, uh, he was on the throne of Israel. And here's something else. Not only did uh, David have a clear conscience in being in that position, later when David messed up with Bathsheba, he got to keep the throne. Now he repented, but it seems to me that David sowed good seed by being honorable towards Saul as God's choice that even when he royally messed up, that he was not removed from his position. And he, he paid, there were some consequences, but he didn't get ousted. Saul eventually got ousted. Amen. All of us want that final thing, don't we? Like when we're going through something, when we've done something wrong or we've gone through a hard time, we're wanting others to show mercy. We're wanting others to to not, uh, you know, attack us. You ever been attacked and it was like it was justified but you still wish they wouldn't have? Like I did do something wrong and they're hitting me and you're making it worse. Well, and there's nothing you can really say? Well, I tell you when the honor of the Lord is on you though, that makes all the difference. And I think if we'll take this to heart, when a, when a day of challenge comes our way in the future, we will have sown good seed in not judging other people in not taking action, doing harm to God's anointed.
Amen. Praise God. I tell you, he's helping us. He's helping us to see this so that we can, uh, so we can have God's best, so we can be honored of the Lord. It takes this because he's not pouring out his best on those who lightly esteem it. He's not given the best all that we potentially could have in this church unless the church has learned something about how to honor him. Amen. Amen. Praise God.